we pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you and praise you. And I just pray within the sound of my voice, every man, every woman, Holy Spirit, would you help me minister your word, Lord, the way they need it. Fill your people, strengthen your people, draw your people, help us uh, do all that we're called to do and be all that we're called to be. In the mighty and majestic name of Jesus, I pray for families today that you would strengthen them. I pray for marriages today that they would be strong. I pray for single people that they would find the right people. I pray, Lord God, for this country, Lord, that you would put your hand on it and bless it, Lord, and protect it. And Father, I pray that your gospel, your message would go throughout all the earth. And Lord, may people respond to it in Jesus' name. Come on, if you feel filled with faith tonight, say amen. amen. All right, tell the person next to you, you're good looking. Grab your seat. I think you're confused. Thank you, Yazzie. Someone say, this changes everything. Come on, say, this changes everything. Um, how many of you would like to get Jesus' attention when you pray? How many of you would like to even perhaps amaze Jesus when you pray? It is actually very difficult to amaze Jesus. How many, I don't know if you've ever thought about that. It is hard to amaze the one who basically knows everything. Now, in, in Jesus' humanity, he did not have the omniscience of God. Actually, God would have to reveal certain things to him. He would read, though, many times the Pharisees' hearts and minds. He would read a, a woman caught at the well, knowing already she's got five husbands, and the one she's now with is not her husband. She is in, in the land of dysfunction, and Jesus is um, knowing things about people that no one else can know. But when Jesus looks at one person and he says to a crowd, pay attention, because someone say pay attention. When he says pay attention, in other words, it is an amazing thing. And so I want to talk to you about the three attributes that this man carried that you and I can learn from so that our faith can at least get God's attention. But secondly, could your faith actually one day amaze Jesus? Could, could Jesus look your way and go that what they just believe God for is incredible? Yeah. Are you with me? Because yeah. what's interesting about this text, I just want to point out a few facets of this text. And then I want to get into the characteristics of this man is that this miracle has never been done before. Wow. So there is no context for this miracle. In other words, Jesus has never been asked before to speak to a certain situation and not show up himself. All of his life, he was going to one village and the next village and the next village. And if someone was sick, they would say, Jesus, can you please come to this village and can you heal? If you read in the Old Testament, there is no prophet who ever said, I'm just going to say it and the miracle would take place. There is no context. And so what's incredible about this man's faith, hear this now, Jesus is already coming. Like how many know it's good news when Jesus is coming? Like when Jesus is on his way, how many know that's great? How many know when if, if, if I said Jesus is coming, you're like, ah! Like there's something exciting. There's something just like, yes. And so there'd be nothing in you that say, wait a second, don't come Jesus. 
But what's amazing about this man's faith is because of his characteristics and because of his attributes or because of the environment that he allowed to be in his mind and the environment he allowed to be in his heart, there was a, a, a peculiar faith that was birthed in this man. Do you hear that? You see, each one of you has a measure of faith. Each one of you have, has actually been given a measure of faith. How many ever met someone and you're like, man, I love that bit of faith? Yeah. It'll be kind of this, it might be your mother or grandmother. It might be some, some lady or some man in church and just look at them and go, oh, if they would pray for me. And there's something about us sometimes that goes, oh, I'm a bit of a pleb myself. Like we, we sometimes underplay our faith, but understand this, that if someone has an amazing faith, it's not so much that they're really amazing. But actually it's because God has given them a measure of faith and they have allowed that faith to grow and grow and grow. But understand this, that faith grows in certain environments. And so can I say this, faith grows in in the greenhouse of generosity. Faith grows in the greenhouse of generosity because I want to show you the attribute that first grabs Jesus' attention. The Bible says that the Jewish leaders go up and do this centurion's bidding. In other words, they have such a strong relationship with this centurion that he simply said to them, Hey, by the way, can you just go and get Jesus? And they went. Which means to tell me, which, which, which it, it, it says this, how did they have that strong relationship? And the Bible says it was because of his generosity. So which tells me this, he didn't just kind of tip. He didn't tip God. He must have given so significantly that Jewish synagogue leaders go, dang, this guy's a big baller. Are you with me, church? He had given, he had basically had a relationship with them that they looked at him and they thought to themselves, this man has more faith than most Jews. He was giving to the house of God. Can I say this? There is something that God cannot teach you till you become generous. There is something, listen to me, there is something that God cannot teach you until you are generous. Because how many of you know that Jesus is not just about you having information, he's about having you transformation, yeah. right? See, see, information is one thing, but it's kind of like this. If you were to study and be a doctor and all of a sudden you studied about how to bring back someone whose heart had actually flatlined and so forth, how many know it's one thing to read it in a textbook? How many know it's another thing if you were there and you were in the moment and you were putting those, those pads on the person, you're and then all of a sudden they come back? How many know that it's, it's in the experience that you actually get life's lessons? Yeah. How many know that I could tell you about prayer? You're like, oh, I know these details about prayer. But it's not until you pray and get answers and now all of a sudden you wait, wait, I have an experience in prayer. I have an experience. And there are many lessons you cannot learn. I don't care. You can go to Harvard and Princeton and and study theology there, and I don't give a stuff. You won't learn some lessons until you become a generous person. Are you with me? 
God challenged me recently to do something and, and um, I felt very challenged on the inside. I, I, I was praying about it. I felt like he speak to me and say, son, I need you to do this. And I was kind of like, Lord, are you sure? And I just prayed about it some more and prayed about it some more. I probably prayed about it for about three months before I really stepped out in faith and did it. And, and the Lord spoke to me a certain promise. He said, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Notice it didn't say like, if you know what to do, you'll be blessed. No, no, no. If you're willing, he said, first position, willingness. Second position, obedience. If you are willing and obedient, he said, you will eat the good of the land. In other words, you can't experience all of the blessings of God until obedience begins to form in your heart and in your spirit. Come on, is anyone hearing me tonight? Come on, is anyone hearing me tonight? I'm preaching better than you're shouting, let me tell you. And God spoke to me and said, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. And because I got myself willing and because I got myself obedient, I promise you in six weeks, I saw incredible blessings in my world. What it did to me was cause me to trust God more. What it did to me was cause me to know that my father is looking after me, that my father is guiding me, that he is leading me. But none of those things happen in the context of school. They happen in the context of putting your faith into action. Right now, you are getting a lesson in, in life from the Bible, from the text. But understand that when you leave here, God is going to want to put you to the test. See, different from school, God doesn't say, hey, in one week, you're going to be taking a test. He actually just, life's a test. Life is literally a test. And then when you pass the test, He promotes you. It isn't just move the second grader along and feel sorry for him. Move the eighth eighth grader along and because he can't read. No, God actually lets you take a test. And how many know that he lets you take it over and over and over again and over and over and over again and over until you learn it? Are you with me, Church Alive? In the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 10, there is another man. He is also a soldier. Someone say soldier. He is also a centurion. Some say centurion. And what's interesting about this text is he learns the same thing, is that when he is not just prayerful, but he is obedient in his realm of generosity, there is a faith that comes to him that doesn't come to anyone else. Here's what Acts chapter 10 says. The angel answered, your prayers and your gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial. Some say memorial. They have come up as a memorial offering before God. In other words, he'd been praying, but then there was something in his heart that says, I need to be generous also to those who are less fortunate than me. And it didn't just change earth, but it changed heaven. I need you to see this today, church. Get this in your spirit. His prayers and his giving changed heaven. Do you feel that? His prayers and his giving caused it to be that God couldn't overlook him. It was like a memorial, a statue. There is a memorial place in Rutherford. We remember those who've fallen in 9-11. You set up a memorial, so what? You don't forget. And understand this, that in heaven, when you and I not just pray, but when you and I are generous to it, something changes in heaven and God looks and says He's serious about those prayers because of His generosity. Now listen, you may like this and you may not like this. But either way, this is good for you. 
Some of you, this is encouraging you. Some of you, this is challenging you. You're like, can you move on to the next point, preacher? But let me say this. You'll keep on taking the test. You'll keep taking the test. You'll keep taking the test. Can I say this? That I believe that there are ceilings on people's faith. There are ceilings on their faith. And it's like if we don't get certain astro, uh, sorry, aspects of the teachings of Scripture, it's like we just go boom, boom, and we move forward and just go boom. Just move forward and go boom. Just move forward and go boom. How come I'm not going to the next level? Can I say this? One of the reasons is generosity. Yeah. Am I teaching anyone today? Yeah. I promise you if you get this, it'll change your life. Yeah. Why? Because Jesus says where your treasure is, there your heart is. Yeah. It, does, it doesn't say where your heart is, there your treasure is. Yeah. It says where your treasure is, there your heart is. In other words, wherever you send your treasure, there your heart is. If I spend all of my money on fashion, there my heart is. If I spend all of my money on cars, there my heart is. If I spend all of my money on candy, my teeth will rot. Are you with me? Luke 16 verse 11 says, So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? There's this awkward moment in Scripture, one of these days where people are giving offering to the Lord, And Jesus literally sits there. And the Bible says he sits next to the offering basket and he watches them give. How many know that's awkward? They're like, Jesus, can you look away for a second? Because this is private. I know you said that, but I've got something else. And what what I find interesting about that is he says, so if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will give you true spiritual riches? Here's the, here's the scriptural principle. You can't get away from it over and over in scripture is this. How you handle money says a lot to do with how you handle faith. Isn't that weird that Jesus was sitting there just watching the offering? And all these people are walking in and he's just staring at them. He's watching. You can either feel guilty about it or just grow from it. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah, good. There's something in the centurion that he learns from generosity. Second thought is there's some lessons you cannot learn until you're humble. There's some lessons you cannot learn unless you're humble. How many of you would be in the, somewhere the age between 16 and 24? Just put up your hand quickly, 16 to 24. Put up your hands, put up your hands. Listen to me right now. From the age of 16 to 24, you make some of your most important decisions for the rest of your life. Sometimes who you'll be with, sometimes who you'll date, sometimes who you'll marry. You, you can make drug decisions, life decisions, and so forth. And hear me now, 16 to 24 years old. The dangerous thing about that age group is this. When you're 16 to 24, you think you know everything. I'm not trying to tread on your toes. I'm just simply saying you, if you're 16 in this place, six years ago, you were 10. (laughs) What does that mean? What does that mean is, is that you probably haven't read that many books from the time you were 10 to 16. What that meant is that you were doing PlayStation. (laughs) However, you're the same size now as your parents. So now you realize that your parents know nothing. 
I'm simply saying to you that you must, listen, if you can think to yourself, I'm going to learn from other people from the age of 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, you'll be significantly ahead of your peers because a lot of them will simply reject it. Are you with me? Listen, your parents used to be cool too. Then they had you, then you gave them wrinkles. They spent all their money feeding and clothing you. That's why their clothes don't look as cool as you. And you're like, ah, mom and dad don't dress that cool. That's because they're dressing you. You're the reason they look like a dork. Are you with me? Why am I saying that to you? There is a wisdom in humility. The people that destroy their lives normally are disobedient. People are in prison right now because they were disobedient. People ruin many times their lives because they buck authority. And what I want you to see from this text is that this man sends for Jesus and then he realizes something. He says, oh my goodness, I am not even worthy for him to come into my house. Have you ever invited someone over and all of a sudden you realize that, holy cow, I need a cleaner? We used to do this all the time when we were young. Mum would say, listen, someone's coming over in 15 minutes. And she was like, kids, clean up right now. And we would run around the house. No one ever cleans up any faster than when someone's coming over and your house is a pigsty. Someone say, amen. amen. Right? You run around the house. You're throwing stuff everywhere. You're like, ah! You to the kitchen. And you get motivated in a moment. Isn't it amazing what you'll do when you're motivated? Yeah. And what happened to this man is that he says, Jesus, come over. And then he looks around his heart, his own life and his own house. And then he says, I am not worthy for you to come in this house. And there was a humility to him that said, Lord, don't even come. But can I say this? Because of the cross, none of you now needs to say, don't even come in. Because of the cross, now you and I can boldly come to the throne of grace and actually say, Jesus, it's not because of my cleanliness, but because of your cleanliness, that you can come into my heart and you can clean it up. Understand this, if Jesus was to walk into your room and walk into your house, he doesn't want to just point out the undies on the floor. He wants to clean up that. You cannot clean up your own heart. You can only give it to Jesus. Now, once I'm a Christian, my job is to guard my heart. Are you with me? He had a heart that was generous. He had a heart that was humble. I want you to see the next value that he valued and why faith could sit in this man's heart was this, was that he actually understood authority. Here's what the scripture says. He says, um, Luke chapter 7 verse 8, it says, For I myself, watch this now, this is is important. For I myself, someone say, I myself am a man. Under authority. authority. Are you actually under authority? He says, for I myself am a man. And watch this now. He says, I am under authority. And then he says, I have soldiers under me. And I tell this one, go and he goes. And this one, come and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this. And he does it. And what's amazing about this text of scripture is that he says to Jesus, don't even bother coming. But the reason that he had a revelation that Jesus did not have to come was because he was a man that received instruction and gave instruction. He 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 didn't do it one time. He did it for years. 
How many of you want to be nice a lot? How many, okay, not enough of you. All right, how many want to marry someone who's nice? Put up all hands and go, yes, I would like that. I don't want to marry a butthole. <laughs> Are you with me? Yeah. See, being submitted to authority sometimes is enough, isn't it? Being generous sometimes is not enough. If you are generous on Christmas Day, let me say this, you are stingy uh, 364 days out of the year. If the only time that you give is perhaps a one-time thing and you say, you know what, I'm going to be generous to this one poor person in Africa. I'm going to give them $50. That is why over and over again in our church, you hear people give a talk on encouraging people on giving. Why? Because there's few things that shape your heart like giving. Now, you cannot learn the lessons of generosity and the lessons of giving unless you experience it. You cannot learn the lessons of humility unless you humble yourself. And the Bible commands you and I to humble ourselves under the hand of God. God doesn't do it for us. Now, if you won't do it, God will give you the... You ever ever wrestled a little five-year-old and they're trying to run at you and you simply just kind of give them this and they're running into their head and they're like, Come here, Jackie. I just want to show you. Come on. on. Just. Okay. Here's what it looks like, right? Just. You ever. Yeah, exactly. And. And. No, I'm I'm the Lord, and she's a little spoiled brat. (laughs) In this picture. Okay, sit down. Are you with me? See, when the Bible says that you don't humble yourself, actually, God has to do this to you. This is why prayer doesn't always work, because God's doing this to you. This is why prayer doesn't always work, because there's certain things that he says. Do you know that the Bible actually says this? If one person closes their ears to the poor, do you know that the Bible says that even his prayers are detestable? See, sometimes we say pray and pray and pray and keep on praying and keep on praying and ask and seek and and receive and and it will be found. But understand this, that God has to sometimes close his ears to your prayers. Good preaching, Anthony. (laughs) He just got really quiet and all awkward in church. I'm not sure I like that. This is why Jesus says, if you have something against someone, he says, leave your gift at the altar and go reconcile to your brother so that you can be heard in heaven. Why some people are not receiving answers to prayer is because they won't do the simple thing like forgive. Are you with me? If you want a bad marriage, just don't forgive. If you want to get offended in church, just don't forgive. I promise you, someone will offend you in church. You're like, well, that's why I don't get involved. Well, the devil will take you out. You'll become lion's feed. I'm preaching good anyway. I'm just preaching. (laughs) And he received, I found this, that lots of people want to be in authority. They just don't want to be under authority. How many of you would like a promotion? Okay, if you work for someone else, how many think it's probably a good thing to get a promotion? How many think if you get under the boss's authority, you'll actually get a promotion more likely? Right? When you buck authority, you get demoted. But when you come under authority, that's where the blessing is. 
In, in church, well, this is the same thing. Uh, if, if the worship leader is leading, the worship team must be under the authority of the worship team. This is why sometimes I, I, I think that some people get in the flesh on it in this. Even when a worship team goes quiet in church, that you got to understand the senior pastors have given them authority to lead the church in worship. But then sometimes there's some other people that they think it's time to get loud in church and they say start screaming, but the worship team's going quiet. See, the, the, you got to understand that if you're in the crowd, you're not anointed to lead the church in worship. You're anointed to follow the church in worship. Does that make sense? Yeah, and, and when it comes to authority, and this is hard to take. How many know this is hard to take sometimes? How many know it's easy to do what your parents want when you agree with them? Yeah. How many know it's hard to do what they want when you don't agree with them? Yeah. Submission to authority is so easy when you agree. Yeah. But submission to authority is only tested when you disagree. Yeah. Are you with me? I hope this is helping you today. Yeah. He learnt lessons by his generosity. He learnt lessons by his humility. And he learnt lessons because he himself, the Bible says, he was under authority. And as he sees, here's how it would work in that time. The, the Roman soldiers would receive a letter from Caesar or one of the governors and there would be a stamp on it. And that stamp would say, I have the authority to give you this and give you this instruction. So all of a sudden, this man realizes that he doesn't even have to be in the room of the same person who gives authority. And so what happens is all of a sudden, his submission to authority began to play in his mind. And he's like, wait a second, I don't even need Jesus to walk in my house. I simply need him to speak the word. And if Jesus will speak the word, then a miracle will follow that because I recognize authority. Are you with me? Can I say this, church? If you will, and if I will, value generosity. Generosity will teach you something that nothing else can teach you. If you value humility, it will teach you something that nothing else can teach you. If even you value, and listen, this is an easy one always to value. If you value authority, what is authority? Authority is like paying taxes. Uh Uh-oh. If the IRS checked you, would you be okay? Because isn't it easy to look at business people and they swindled millions of dollars, but the IRS might go, well, you stole a thousand. (laughs) And got really quiet. See, how many of you would like to go um, be in a business that has a great reputation? How many would like to work for an organization that has a great reputation? How many of you would like to go to a church that has a great reputation? But what if you're called to lead that organization? Do you lead your life well? Are you submitted to authority? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says, If a man does not treat his wife well, actually even his prayers itself are hindered. What does that mean? It means God has given the man authority, but he watches how he treats his wife. And then he recognizes whether he's actually under authority. And when he's under authority, the blessing of heaven flows. Jesus modeled this. He said, I cannot do anything without my Father showing me. 
He's, he literally says, I don't do anything unless my father shows me. He was completely submitted to authority. And he was so submitted to authority that he even submitted to the authority that sent him to the crucifixion. And therefore, in Philippians 2, the Bible says that therefore God exalted him to the highest place. Gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord because of his submission to authority. Do you want to be a great leader? You've got to be a great follower first. You can only be as great a leader as you are a follower. Come on, worship team, come back. Help me close this bad boy out. How many of you appreciate our worship team? Yeah. This centurion had a faith that amazed Jesus. Feel that for a moment. The centurion had a faith that amazed the one who is almost impossible to amaze. And I would say more than anything else, it is because he valued these attributes, perhaps for years, and because he values them. Listen, we live in a, in a microwave society. We think if we're generous one time, we become a generous person. We think if we're humble one time, we become a humble person. We think if we're submitted to authority one time, we're, we're oh man, my goodness, I'm, a, I'm incredible. And God says, no, no, no. Listen, I need you to be generous for a lifetime. I need you to be humble for a lifetime. I need you to be submitted to authority for a lifetime. And if you will do these things, church, if you'll just cultivate in your own heart, a value that values generosity, humility, and submission to authority, let me promise you this, your faith will flourish. You will learn lessons you cannot learn anywhere else. You've got to understand the Word of God is meant to point out stuff in your teeth sometimes. The, the Word of God is meant to be a mirror that literally points out that you have got green stuff all over your teeth. And then sometimes the Word of God doesn't point it out, someone else points it out. And someone else is literally like, you have a bat in your cave. You're like, awkward. This is why you don't just need the Bible. You need the house of God. Because the Bible and the Holy Spirit are meant to flow in authority with the house of God. Do you know one of the most powerful things you can do is be on a serving team and be on a serving team and just serve and serve and serve? Because you know what happens over time is you're serving and you're serving and then you're coming under someone's authority. And then you won't agree one time. You're like, oh, I don't agree with Noelia. And, and God will test your heart by your response to whoever is over the top of you. Because then one day you're going to lead a team in this church. And, and, and then all of a sudden you'll realize, hold on, I don't like people who are unsubmitted to authority. Does that make sense? And the reality is that how you serve someone else will be the way that someone serves you. 
the way you serve someone else will actually be the way other people serve you because you will sow a spiritual principle that is humility and honor and, and favor and God will favor your world in Jesus' name. Do you believe it? Come on, do you believe it? Give the Lord a hand. Come on, bow your head with me. Close your eyes. Father, I just pray for your people right now. Lord, I pray your word would bear incredible fruit in their lives. Lord, in the name of Jesus, help your church value these attributes, I pray. Help us value generosity. Help us value humility. Help us value, Lord, submission to authority. So, Lord, I know there'll be incredible faith and incredible fruit out of that. Lord, in Jesus' name, heads bowed and eyes are closed for a second. Man, if you feel like, and you know for without a shadow of a doubt, you are far away from God. Listen, you might be here today and came for the first time, or maybe you've been coming for months or even years, but you understand for some reason that you know that you're far away from God. You don't have a real relationship with God. I could tell you this, I have a real relationship with God because I talk to God and God talks to me. And when God talks to me, I obey Him. That sounds like a a real relationship. I have a real relationship with my wife because we have conversation. And I know that I'm part of that family and she knows she's part of my family. There should be no doubt in your mind or there should be very little doubt in your mind that you are part of the relationship between God and you. There shouldn't be doubt on that. And if there is doubt on that, I want you to settle that today. I want you to say, Pastor Anthony, I want to pray with you today and settle that once for all, that I'm putting my faith in the person of Jesus, that I'm putting my faith in God, that I'm turning to Him and saying, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Come on, let's pray this simple prayer together. Every single one of us, especially those who know that for some reason you are away from God. Come on, let's pray this prayer. Jesus, thank you that you died for me, that you humbled yourself under the hand of God, even to go to a cross. So today, I humble myself to receive you. I ask you to forgive me. I say no longer am I my own Lord, but you be my Lord, be my Savior, be my very best friend. I pray this now in Jesus' name. May I never be the same. Heads bowed, eyes closed in this place. If you meant business with God, on the count of three, would you quickly raise your hand just to let me know? One, two, three, all across this place. Thank you. Thank you, buddy, up there. Awesome, those two over there. Thank you, the guy in the middle. Thank you, another guy over there. Man, God bless you. Just keep that up just for a moment, just so I can see it. Man, awesome, awesome stuff. You can put your hand down. That's awesome. That's awesome. Father, I pray specifically for everyone here right now, especially those who raise their hand. Father, would you just do an incredible work in their heart in the name of Jesus? Come on, and church alive, said. Come on, give the Lord a hand. Come on. Hey, we want to celebrate those people that raise their hand. Man, God bless you. Noelia, take it over.